Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, happy Monday to you, and I'm glad that you're joining me today. We have a really big week that we're going into. We are really talking about things to stop doing to yourself. And we might revisit the idea about having a kinder, gentler relationship with yourself as well. So we'll see where where this kind of goes. But I really want to spend time on this. I'm going to probably give you more than 20 to 30 things to stop doing to yourself. And sometimes it helps when we look at things in the inverse. We usually are telling people what to do. Here's the things you want to do. But sometimes it helps if you just say, you know what, if you're having a hard time doing the things you should do, how about if you just stop doing some certain things? Sometimes that gives you the energy to do the things you're supposed to do. So we talked all week last week about your, your potential, what God sees in you, how he made you. We talked about stop playing it safe, you know, so that you can really work on being more authentic and trusting who God made you to be, enjoying who God made you to be, and then really, you know, stop trying so hard. You know, it's like knowing that you are better than you really realize and being able to have the courage, the trust to look at yourself through the eyes of God and be able to really hold that and and be able to stand on that as a firm foundation. So as we really come out of last week, I thought it would be helpful to look at, you know, what are some things that get in the way of you being who God really has asked you to be? How are you hurting or or getting in your own way? How How are you kind of like continually um, putting a cog in the wheel, right? And stopping things. So this is really important to look at. And, and one of the number one things I want you to stop doing, and this is really important, this is stop spending time with the wrong people. And those of us that are gentle-spirited or can tend toward people-pleasing or don't want to hurt people's feelings, we like to be nice people, we have a harder time with this issue. And I want to give you permission today to understand life is way too short to spend it with time, spending time with people who really take from you, who wear you down, grind you down, cause you to have less hope, cause you to feel weakened and, and actually can be corruptive to your soul. And I've had to really work on this in my life in recognizing that I am just a human. And there are some people in my life, if I spend too much time with them, they corrupt me. And I start thinking in ways and acting in ways and having attitudes. Or I feel certain things, think certain things that really I don't want to be that person. And I don't want to think or feel that way. And so there are times when I've had to say, you know what, I probably can't spend time with this person. And so you, what you want to really understand is you don't want relationships to just suck the life out of you. 
Now, that doesn't mean that we don't invest in relationships and that relationships many times are difficult or or that we have different seasons in a relationship and, and that we practice deference and forbearance and forgiveness and all these things. But you really want to be able to recognize who are the people chronically in my life that leave me, when I walk away, leave me feeling less than, insecure, angry, gross, yucky, um, oppressed, depressed, you know, insecure, any of these, you know, feeling like I've been, I have something I need to forgive because of something they said or a slight or the way they treated me or what they did while we spent time together. These are things you want to really think about. Life is too short. You have an emotional bank account. You're a limited being. You're not God. God has the capacity to manage the entire universe and all the beings, all the people that have been created since the beginning of time. He has unlimited capacity. You and I don't. And then I want you to also recognize that if someone wants you in their life, they'll make room for you. If you feel like you are having to be the one that's doing it all the time, you're chasing them down. You're constantly putting out there, hey, what about this date or that date? And they're like, yeah, that sounds good, but let me get back to you. Then you want to really say to yourself, hmm, I'm working a lot harder than they are. And one of the, the rules that I, I really practice in my own life is I don't work harder on a relationship than the other person. That doesn't mean that sometimes I work a little harder and sometimes they work a little harder. And it balances us out. But if it's an, on an ongoing basis, I'm the one that's making all the effort. I'm the one calling. I'm the one setting things up. I'm the one paying. I'm the one adjusting then I have to say to myself, why am I doing this relationship? Where is the value in that relationship? And that doesn't mean that people have to be a particular type of person. It means that I'm not God and I have limited capacity. And so you shouldn't have to fight for a spot in someone's life. And that doesn't mean that you are not a value. It means that humans have limited capacity. And I can only do so many people. And I've, I've talked on this show before about the studies that they have done. Before um, 1980s, 1975, before there were actually what we would call mega churches, the American church was 150 people, almost all the way across the United States. Most American churches were of about 150 people. Now, that is because the pastor of that church could pretty much only manage 150 people. And if you look at weddings and different types of celebrations and people say, well, we're only doing friends and family, you probably will find out that they invited approximately 150 people. It's fascinating. When you look at the life of Christ, he had three best friends, 12 really good friends, right? Then he had 72 group of people that were pretty much with him all the time, here and there, traveled with him. And then there was about 150 that were following because that's human capacity. So you don't want to just, you know, make the assumption that, well, if I'm trying to make room for myself in their life and they're not making room for me, then I must be less than or worthless, or if they really liked me, they'd make more room. It may just be that they really do like you, 
but the situation that's going on in their life, they have too many people that have to have time. And it ends up being an issue of capacity. It may be that, no, it's not a good fit. And maybe they know it and you don't. It may be that you've known them for a really long time, so you feel compelled to keep the relationship going. There's lots of reasons. So while we evaluate relationships, I want you to make the number one thing, stop spending time with the wrong people. And so it's not the people that stand by your side when you're at your best, but the ones who stand beside you when you're at your worst. These are the true friends. So you really want to evaluate who are really my, my truest friends? Who do I really fit with the best? And it may not be people you would have assumed. There are a lot of people in my life I think we should probably be a really good match, and I'm not with them. And there are some people that I think it's really interesting that we're such good friends. We, uh, we wouldn't normally think that we would be these really good friends. So it really is an evaluative process. The second thing I want you to stop doing to yourself, I want you to stop running from your problems, okay? The reason that we don't want people running from our problems is because they are attached to us. We can't run from them. We get this feeling that they're following us only because it's kind of like trying to get rid of your arm and thinking that, why is my arm still following me? It's a part of me. My problems are with me. They are in me, around me, a part of my life. There is no way that I can run from them. When I try to run from them, that means I'm ignoring them or denying them. They will usually get bigger. I wish that worked. If denying them and ignoring them made them go away, I would not have a job as a psychotherapist. I wish they would just go away. So you want to face them head on. And it's not going to be easy. There's no person in the world capable of flawlessly handling every punch that's thrown at them. We aren't supposed to be able to instantly solve problems. That's really just not how we're made. In fact, we're made to get upset sad, hurt, stumble, and fall. That's the whole purpose of living. So we face our problems, we learn from them, we adapt and solve them over a course of time. And this is what helps to reveal who we truly are. This is what helps us be a hero to ourselves and to others. Some problems take a small amount of time. Some problems are very complicated and very complex and might take years to unravel. But the issue is, I need to be committed to me. And we've talked so much on this show about you need to own your own life. You need to be committed to your own life. You need to do your life and not hope that you'll find someone that's going to come in and do it for you. The closest we get to that is Jesus, and he still doesn't do our life for us. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He stays with us is a compassionate witness, is involved as we allow him to be. But he don't, doesn't do our life for us, nor will anybody else be able to do it. So you want to learn from these. The sooner you just face them and just say, you know what, everybody has problems. Why am I getting so worked up about this? Yeah, I don't want to face it. Yeah, I don't want to look at it. And so sometimes it helps if we set a date. We say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to table this for a week. I've got a busy week. I don't want to do this. I don't want to face it. I don't want to think about it, look at it, talk about it. So I'm going to do this week, and the entire week is going to be planning 
to attend to it on Saturday. If that's when, if Friday is my, the end of my work week, then Saturday is the day I'm going to address it. And I'm going to set up things to make that possible. Is there somebody I want to meet with as I address it? Do I want to take time by myself? Do I need to take a drive and go out farther outside of the city and sit down and really have some quiet time with God? Do I need to just hole up in my house and not take any phone calls, not turn on the TV, not listen to any music, and really sit down and say, what do I need to do about this problem, Lord? Where do I need to start? Do I need to get outside help? Do I need to contact a therapist? Do I need to talk to my pastor? Do I have a mentor or a coach that I need to get that person involved in? in? Or are there specific things that I know to do that I'm just not doing? So do I want an accountability partner? Then I just say, hey, here's the things I'm working on. I need to do it. Will you just ask me about these periodically? Ask me how I'm doing. And then I want to make sure I get someone to pray with me. So that I say, you know what? I know I need to address this. It's not going away. Will you just pray with me as I embark on that journey? So what's another one? This is a big one. And this is stop lying, lying to yourself. You know, you can lie to anyone else in the world, but you really can't lie to yourself because yourself knows yourself. Yourself may let you lie to yourself as a way to feel a little bit better in the moment, but you really can't lie. So stop, stop going through that motion. It, 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 there's no merit. It's just falsity. It's denial. It's trying to be separate from you. And that never works. So your life will only improve when you take chances. And the first and foremost difficult chance we take is to be honest with ourselves. See, the honesty piece helps me to actually address the problems better. If I'm just willing to be honest with myself. You know, there's a beautiful song called If We're Honest. And it talks about in the very beginning, it says, you know, truth is harder than a lie. And the darkness is softer than the light. And it's really important that you recognize that the lying piece momentarily, temporarily feels good, but it ushers in emotional disease is what it does. So the other interesting piece, you have to say to yourself, why am I lying to myself when God sees everything? God sees everything and still wants to be with me. God sees everything and says, okay, just like, you know, we have little kids that put their, their eyes in front, their hands in front of their eyes and they think they're hiding and the parents think it's cute. Well, a lot of times that's what we do when we're lying to ourselves. God says, okay, I see you. I see you and I see exactly what you're doing. So you can put your hands over your eyes, but I still see it and I still love you in spite of it. And I won't walk away from you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. And so one of the things that happens when you lie to yourself, when you spend time with people that are the wrong people, uh, when you run from your problems, guess what happens? You start putting your own needs on the back burner. Because those, those three things I just said are devaluing behaviors. Once you feel devalued by yourself, you stop seeing your needs as important. Everybody else's needs are important. So the most painful thing is losing yourself in the process of loving someone too much. 
and forgetting that you are special too. Yes, you can help others, but helping yourself is imperative. See, God has given you to you. He is counting on you to take care of the one he loves. I say to clients, you know, frequently what God gave me this insight when he said to me, Cynthia, you're like a daycare worker. You're like a babysitter. I gave you to you for you to watch after you until I come pick you up and take you home. So I care for me all the time. And God is always caring for me, but he's not in the flesh right now. So I'm in the flesh for me, and I need to take care of me. And I need to not deny and diminish and dismiss my own needs. And I need to not justify them either. I I say to clients all day, you need what you need. You need what you need. If I could choose what I need, I would only have needs that were easy to meet. And I would have needs that, that maybe weren't vulnerable. But I need what I need. So let's look at this next one. Stop trying to be someone you're not. Now we spent the entire first four days of this week on that. Don't be somebody that you're not. Don't try to find the success and the feelings of worth and and find happiness and all of that through being somebody that you think everybody wants you to be. See, one of the greatest challenges for us is being ourselves, being who we are, because we think the world wants somebody else. And so everybody, every human has a need to be connected, to, to belong. And when you think about the fact that humans are mammals, well, all mammals, if you've ever looked at any mammals, they all have herds, they all have packs. That's what mammals do. So oftentimes we will forsake a need that we have in order to make sure we're allowed in the pack or that we're accepted into the herd. And what you will find is that when you are really who you are, there's a place for you. And there's a place for you that nobody else can fill if you're willing to fill it. You see, someone's always going to be prettier. Someone will always be smarter. Someone will always be younger. They will always have more money. They will always have more prestige. They will have more toys. They will have kids or they will not have kids, whatever it may be. But nobody can be you. So don't change so people like you. Be yourself. And the right people will love you when you are the real you. You will find your herd. You'll find your pack. When you're authentically who you are, you will automatically like people that are like you. And not keep, not trying to be somebody to make sure whatever group you're aspiring to be in likes you. If you're really you, they may like you better. If you're really you, you may find that you don't like them so much. So stop trying to be somebody that you're not. You will only become more insecure and more unsure. And your life will have more anxiety. So here's another one. Stop trying to hold on to the past. You know, and some of us hold on to the past because it was great. Some of us hold on to the past because we can't resolve it. Some of us romanticize the past. I I know this is kind of 
it, it's a fascinating thing that humans do. And if you've ever talked to anybody that's in any particular generation, the older that we get, the more we romanticize our generation. And every generation says, well, it was a lot better back then. When I was growing up, it was so much better. You know, and, and I say to clients how funny it is to me when I think about, you know, I'm like, well, the 80s, man, the 80s were amazing. And they, we, weren't, we weren't like bad. And it wasn't, I mean, and then I say to myself, what am I thinking? That was the cocaine generation. I mean, that was one of the most opulent, decadent, you know, most self-serving, you know, performance-oriented um, decade that we have really ever had. Now, there's some wonderful things that came out of it as well, but it was not, you know, this this really ethical, moral uh, generation. And so there's, and I, I tell people this, this phenomenon that happened to me. I was, this one Saturday, I had a whole bunch of, paperwork that I had to do and organizing in my home office and getting some things ready to go to a publisher and all kinds of stuff. And I thought, you know, I'll just, maybe I'll just watch a movie while I'm doing this stuff. And that will kind of make it a little easier. And so I looked on, you know, DirecTV and and Saturday Night Live was going to be on. And I thought, oh my gosh, Saturday Night Live John Travolta and disco, and I was a little pom-pom girl in seventh and eighth grade, and that's right when disco came out, and all through high school, and, you know, we loved disco, and I'd gone to that movie, and I just remembered it was just so meaningful to me, and such a powerful movie, and and I thought, oh, this will be great, so <laughs> I started watching Saturday, Saturday Night Live, and I'm telling you the truth, I couldn't get through 10 minutes of it. It was the most decadent movie. There was so much language. I was I was appalled. I I hear language all day. That doesn't. But it was the f word. It was vulgar. It was disgusting. It was dark. It was mean. And I thought, wow, how did I romanticize that movie? But that's some of what we do. So when it comes to holding on to the past, you have to recognize that the past is the past, and it is not supposed to have life in it. It's supposed to be what you learn for and a stepping stone to get you to the next place. So the present is where we're living. And the more present we are with a past that is resolved, the better our future will be, the less complicated our future is. So I'm telling you right now, if you have not resolved your past and it's still alive, there's still a ton of energy back there. That past Although to God, he says, it, it really is dead. You can't go back there and do anything about it. It's dead. If it's alive to you, then it affects your present decision-making and the way you perceive your present day, which then creates a future for you. And it may not be the future God has for you. He may have to continuously reroute you while he is helping you resolve the past. So really important that we learn from the past, we put the past to rest, because the reason that God says, I, you know, your sins as far as the east is from the west, I remember them no more, is because he doesn't have to learn from our sin. We do have to learn from our past, the good things and the bad things. So you learn from it, and you let it be in the past. So we're going to continue tomorrow on these things to stop doing to yourself. So I hope this has been helpful for you. I want you to have a great Monday. Make sure you check out the website. If you want a keynote speaker for your group or your organization, I love to do that for you. And I can tailor make anything for whatever the event is. So contact me through the website. 
CynthiaHyatt.com, and I would love to speak with you. Have a wonderful day. And this is the beginning of many of your weeks. I'm praying for your week. God bless you. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.